Hello and welcome. My name is Neve Brooke and today I'm joined by my fellow programmers Shelby Cook, Will Schofield, Alex Smith and Sarah Lapanova. Today we're discussing Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag. This segment is a part of Film East, a Norwich-based film programming group. First airing in 2016, a whopping six years ago, the award-winning Fleabag follows the titular character throughout the trials and tribulations of being a young woman in today's society. This deep dive into womanhood, relationships and family is both wonderfully witty and deeply heartbreaking. In this episode, we discuss how this thought-provoking and hilarious TV show utilises script writing, character work and contemporary topics to create something that was utterly groundbreaking. So, obviously, Fleabag came out six years ago now. Where has that time gone? Jesus. Um, what was everyone's first impressions of watch it, uh, first impressions of it watching it again for this podcast? I forgot how good it was because it's been yeah. quite a while. Um, and I think I was almost getting into the head, headspace of thinking it was a bit overhyped because it had been so long. I was like, oh, it was good, but it's not as good as everyone says. But now I've rewatched it. It's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. I agree. I was exactly the same um, because before we obviously decided to record this episode, I wasn't sure I was going to rewatch it because I had such incredible memories of watching it for the first time and it felt almost sacred. And so I didn't want to watch it again in case that it didn't live up to my like first experience of it. Uh, but actually, like it was incredible and like just binged it all. <laughs> it was really good. This I... was my. Oh, sorry. Well, you go. Oh, sorry. Um, I first watched it in like mid twenty twenty, so I was quite late to the party. Um, but I remember really enjoying it. Um, and I definitely remember preferring season two. And so this is actually the other day was my first time rewatching season one. I rewatched season two quite a lot. Um, but I think like season two, it holds up so consistently through every rewatch little moments that I didn't notice kind of the first time around because I was in the headspace that season one is good season two is where it's really at but I think I wasn't giving season one enough kind of credit the first time around and um yeah this is my oh sorry Shelby (laughs) well I was just gonna say as someone who loves BBC shows I will watch like a lot of them are really terrible <laughs> they're they're really bad <laughs> and all of us like out of nowhere every few years just this wonderful masterpiece will just pop up on the bbc and fleabag is one of those that just appears out of nowhere you're like where did this come from and why is it so good <laughs> and you have no it has no business being as good as it is but I, like everyone said, it, it does really hold up years later and it holds up with each rewatch. And as your life adjusts and you have more life experiences, you can relate to different aspects of Fleabag's story. It's one of those shows where it's almost like it's gut-wrenching in a way that it's just so fiercely relatable even if you've never gone through what she's gone through or like what she's going through you feel Mm. as though you're with her and it's so cleverly you know the looks to the camera her being like this unreliable narrator her going through this journey with you you just feel that kind of pang every single time something goes wrong and it's so cleverly crafted this is my third rewatch of Fleabag 
And the first time I watched it, I was in my first year at uni. I Season two had just come out and I'd seen, you know, the memes on BBC Three Facebook. And the, first, the one I saw was like, oh, yeah, you walk past and, you know, walk of shame. And I was like, oh, I'll give this show a watch. And I binged watched most of the show in one night. I was sat there with my jaw dropped and I could not take my eyes off it. It was like a visceral experience watching the show. And every time I have the same thing, I can't stop. Why do you think it still holds up? You know, it's been six years. Times have changed. Why do you think Fleabag is this timeless piece of, you know, I was going to say content. It's not really content, but you know what I meant. I, I think it's because there's, there's so much going on that, like you guys have said, with multiple rewatches, as, as we like grow as an audience and have new experiences, there's new things about the show that we start to pick up on and appreciate. Mm -hmm. And like, I know this, this time around rewatching, I, I was absolutely fascinated with the sister relationship um, and how they don't like each other, but they're like soulmates almost. Like there is so much love. And that was what I really panged onto this time rewatching. But I remember years ago, um, I was like, what really stuck with me was like her like relationship with men and um sex and kind of using it in an, in an unhealthy way and that was what interested me and so I think just being able to rewatch and find new things to appreciate is at least for me what makes this feel like it's gonna be popular for a very long time. Mm. I think for me I because it's so brutally honest and because she doesn't really sugarcoat anything. And, you know, there are a lot of instances where you think like she's a really bad person sometimes. Um, but you, can, you can relate to that, I think. And I think we're all trying to perform like the best versions of ourselves to society. But I think like deep down, we all have this fear of, you know, am I a bad person? Am I a bad sister? Am I a bad daughter? Am I a bad feminist? And all of that kind of comes into it like so intensely. So it's, it's kind of like having an inside joke with a friend and it makes you feel so seen and like understood and like, oh yes, I can have this relationship with this TV show because she understands me and because she does the whole like breaking of the fourth wall and doing the little winks and talking to us and sharing like her most like ridiculous and dark thoughts with us. I think it makes me feel really at ease. And yeah, it's just that kind of like honesty and like, feeling like you have an inside joke and a connection with the show that I don't I don't think I've experienced with any other show that I've watched and I think that's what makes the show so good is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge isn't trying to she's she's not creating a, a series that is oh this is a female written show we're going to talk about how how great women are like women are great feminists and it's just the fact that, she, you know, I think they say this, like we're bad feminists, like her and Claire. And it's just so true because it's not, it's a show that is about the female experience, but it's not strictly solely based in, oh, women need to have kids and, you know, get married. And, you know, this is all the problems that women have. And it, it just feels so relatable, regardless of what gender you are or what, you know, whether you consider yourself a feminist or if you say, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad feminist. And I think that's what's so great about it. It's not projecting any sort of idea. It's not trying to be something that 
looks good. It just is very authentic and very real. And it's not afraid to say we're, I'm, I'm a bad feminist. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a bad woman. And like, I don't, you know, I, I don't fit into the tropes that society wants me to fit into. That's what I find so refreshing about Fleabag because in I, everyone has a different definition of feminism. But my personal feminism is that women and men are people. We are all flawed. We're all terrible. We are all human. And that's what's so refreshing about Fleabag. And I kind of disagree when she says she's a bad feminist because she's just a human being. And women are human exactly. beings and men are human beings. And what's so refreshing about Fleabag is both the women and the men are terrible. It's not one or the other. And mm -hmm. I find it so difficult at the moment because a lot of feminist media, we are getting these champion female roles, but the men are awful or idiots or villainized. And that's not what I personally wanted with feminist media because then that's just dragging the other gender down. It has to be equal. And yeah. Fleabag does that wonderfully. Most men, most men, granted not all of them because some of them are just awful, but most men have, you see that two sides of them. You see that they're a bit awful, but they get that redemption that you understand why they are and you understand why Fleabag, why Claire, why all of them are the way they are. And I just love that about the show. And every time I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a normal show about terrible people. And it's just great. And I think it's this like quality is what makes it so funny. Like it's just so hilarious as a TV show. And like, for me, that the reason is because she just says all of these things that everyone's kind of thinking in their daily lives, which are either really random or, you know, like slightly awful. Um, and because you see them said on camera and we're not really used to it, it just makes it hilarious. And there's it's, there's like loads of instances throughout the both of the seasons. Um, like, for example, I love it when in season one, she's with her boyfriend, Harry, and obviously they have this very unhealthy relationship, but she's so used to being in this, unhealthy rhythm of well this is what happens we make up and then something happens and we break up because I sleep with someone else and she's really used to this rhythm and then this whole scene of him leaving his little dinosaur behind so then he could come back for it and like you know pick it back up and clean the flat and it's all really horrible and you're watching it being like this is so unhealthy for you but at the same time it's just so funny because I think it is just so rooted in like people's daily realities <laughs> And it's in that situation where you feel really bad for poor Harry. <laughs> poor Harry. He's just, he's just a little himbo. He's so simple and, and she's just horrible to him. <laughs> that bathroom scene every single time makes me wet myself. It is it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on I a little bit. I completely forgot that happened. So when it happened and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> like I just completely forgot. Um, yeah. So Moving on, we've sort of briefly spoken about it, but I wanted to talk about how the two seasons differ and how we reacted to the two seasons because they are, they're quite different, really. The first season is about her just being a terrible, broken person and struggling to cope, spoilers ahead if you've not seen season one, but struggling to cope with the fact that her best friend Boo has died, has sadly, you know, accidentally killed herself and it is partly... Well, mostly Fleabag's fault. Um, how does everyone feel about the twist? How do we feel like it's structured? Do we like, do we feel like season one is, you know, obviously season two is the better season, but I still think season one holds up and is arguably the funnier season of the two. What do we think? I think there's a big difference in kind of intent between the two. 
in uh, season two is mainly devoted to kind of Fleabag as a character and kind of her relationship with the priest and the kind of ongoing development and the drama of that, as well as all the other like little things with the other characters going on, Claire's business and stuff. Where season one, I feel, is a lot more focused on kind of lots of little issues all happening at once, um, like her struggling to pay bills and stuff, and like the ongoing feud with her stepmom, and kind of the weird relationship with Claire and her and Martin, and trying to cope with Boo. And so, in that sense, um, I think yeah, the there is a big difference in kind of intent. And I think it kind of comes down to which you prefer almost um, because season one, I do think it is very interesting in how it manages to cover all these kind of things at once. And it does feel like the show is juggling a lot um, and the characters juggling a lot. And so if you kind of prefer more that kind of chaotic, everything all at once, then I think that's probably a lot more engaging Whereas I feel with season two, when they managed to kind of cut it more back a lot more and tell a lot more of kind of a straightforward story almost, um, that's when I felt more kind of emotionally engaged personally. But I think there are, I could completely understand a lot of people finding a lot more kind of resonance with series one and it's kind of more all over the place approach almost. That's what I think so clever about um, Waller Bridge's writing is that season one is a woman who has just lost grip on her life. It's just out of control. And you get that in, you know, the shots because she's constantly turning to the camera. There's so much of her ignoring the life and like distancing herself and looking to the camera, looking to us, telling jokes about us to like back away from how stressed she is about her life. And like, it's so frantic, you know, that like you said the script is so like there's stuff everywhere because that's what's happening to her and she's just so stressed out but what's so clever about season two is that within five minutes you learn that it's taken her a year but she's kind of got her stuff together she's matured she's grown and she can focus on herself and her love life and you get that like throughout the season she looks to the camera less and less because she's growing up she's maturing she's understanding who she is in that final scene where she's like fully at ease with herself and she's like no 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 don't come with me I'm I'm fine now and it's like you see her grow and progress throughout the two seasons it's just so cleverly structured I just think that's amazing there's that moment I love at the beginning of season two where she's at the dinner table and I think someone asks her like how's the cafe and she just kind of behind me was like oh it's it's really good it's really good and then she like turns to you the audience and is like it actually it's really good <laughs> yeah. and I remember thinking like oh good for you yeah good on you that's nice that's all sorted out and it, it was kind of like it did almost feel like catching up with a friend and being mm. like hey how's this thing that was an issue and they're like oh yeah no that, that got sorted out and it's just like a pleasant little it's just a really nice moment that also helped kind of tie off a lot some of the loose ends that were kind of left from the season just really efficiently yeah it's not self-indulgent in her success she just she's she's growing and then the story's moving on it doesn't really care that she's grown it's about how she is now which is quite like refreshing to see yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I think that's really beautiful. And I think like it's really beautiful because you see the fact that obviously, as you said, in the first season, she looks at the camera all the time and that's her way of dealing with her life. And, you know, she's disassociating from her own life. Um, but then obviously she does it less and less uh, throughout. And it's kind of 
because she used this sex as a way to deal with her emotions as well, you kind of see that as she grows up, she doesn't need that external validation anymore. She doesn't need like, she doesn't need the sex. She doesn't need the attention from the men or from us to be like secure in herself, um, which is really beautiful. And I think that's where the like final scene that really hits. She's like, she's ready. um, And she's content with herself as she is and she doesn't need us. And that's, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. I personally... Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I would just say, just picking back off what Sarah I I really enjoy that in season two, she doesn't fully say, oh, I'm, I'm healed. I'm perfect. I'm, you know, I'm a much better person. She still has those moments where she relapses and has those moments where she does need that validation. Like when she um, is talking to that businesswoman who won the award and she starts making out with her because she's still, you know, and that, that is the process of healing where you are still going to revert back to those bad habits that you have. And then you need to pull yourself back up and say, okay, I can't be making out with this woman just because I want attention, you know, and, and that woman says that to her, you know, you're, you're young, you're beautiful. You can go out and have anyone you want. Um, Don't rely on my attention right now, right here. And I just think that's, that's really great that she, she doesn't just be like, Oh, after all of that, those issues that I had in the last season, I I'm great now. I'm perfect. And, you know, she's able to move on and still have those still show the relapses of the process of healing. I think that kind of ties into my favorite moment in the entire show where, um, and it's always kind of presented very jovially, almost like she's, there's a lot of sex scenes and she's almost always kind of, making a joke at the same time looking at the camera kind of joking with you she's clearly kind of not taking it very seriously and that kind of communicates how she uses sex as almost kind of like a crutch for attention or validation or just love and then there's the moment in season two where big spoilers her and the priest finally have sex after a lot of will they won't they and the camera kind of cuts to them in the room and there's no jokes there's no like the lighting is incredibly dark it's realistic and she like grabs the camera and pushes it away because yeah. it isn't a moment for this for the the story or the jokes or for us it's an intimate moment just for her rather than kind of the joke that it has been up to this point um and i think that's a really good kind of way of communicating the big step that the kind of character has taken in her life almost. And it's just so brilliant that the story doesn't end with a happily ever after. Like the, it's the harsh reality of the person that you love might not love you back and there's nothing you can do about it. You have to move on. You know, he tells her it'll pass, but what if it never passes? You know, what if you still have that longing for the rest of your life? but there's nothing you could do about it. You have to move on. And I just think that is what makes the show so brilliant is that one, it doesn't, Phoebe Waller-Bridge doesn't write to tropes, doesn't write to um, what you expect a story to end with. You expect it to be like, oh, he's just going to give up his his priesthood and, and be with her because, oh, they're so cute and they're so happy. And you have those, you have those lovely moments at the, the wedding where you're just like, oh my God, they're making out at the side. You're like, oh, I love them. You're like, they're so cute. And then it just implodes, but it implodes so softly and so gently. And that's just how life is. And you just have to move on and, 
you just have to sometimes just accept that this is the reality that you live in and Prince Charming isn't going to come save you. And I think that's what is just so brilliant about it. Yeah, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge has so much respect for her characters as well. You can really tell that. Like, the whole big thing with season two was that she didn't want to really do a season two unless there was a story. And she found this amazing story and she finished Fleabag's story. But in the middle, you know, she doesn't get her happy ending. We don't know where she ends up. And I still, like, I don't often ponder it, but I do, like, sometimes think, like, I wonder what that character would be doing. Like, I wonder if she's doing okay. I wonder if she's you know, found someone. And that's so lovely that the way it's fit, the way it finishes, the way she says, sort of says bye. And you're just, you're like, oh, I hope she's going to do well. Like there's respect for the character to grow by herself. We don't need to be there. And that's what's so great about what the bridge is writing. It's I weird have... that Claire gets more of kind of a proper okay. fairy tale ending mm. than Fleabag does. Mm-hmm. And you, you I want Claire. that for Claire <laughs> because she's just so uptight. And Best you just character. want to just break out and just go running in the airport after her weird Scandinavian boyfriend with her pencil hair. That one moment at the end of season two where she goes, the only person I'd run through the airport for is you. And uh, That still makes me consistently tear up. That's the bit Uh, that gets me the most by far. It's so like, in a show of just full of horrible characters, it's weird how sweet it can be in certain moments. I just say also, the first episode in season two. Masterful. Oh, the, sorry, I think we're, we're breaking up, but um, the first episode in season two is Shakespearean. It is so yeah. good. That dinner scene is so brilliant. Like, and I was, because I, I think this is the first time I rewatched season two because it was just so traumatizing the first time I watched it. I was like, I don't want to watch that again. That like, that was so sad. And I rewatched it. I was wa- I was watching that dinner scene, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so brilliant! It's so well written, and it's so well directed. It's so perfectly staged. It is Shakespearean. It is so good." There was a point in that episode that really actually shook me to my core, and I did not remember from my past viewings. And I had to pause the show and take a minute because it like got me so much in a way that actually really surprised me. And it was, um, spoiler, after the miscarriage when they'd come Mm. back um, to the table and the husband said what he said, but directed to Fleabag. And that left me speechless for a moment and I really needed to step away and just kind of take in what he said because it was so vile and disgusting and it, it it shook me and I've not been able to stop thinking about that all day and for a lot of reasons like it's disgusting but also the fact that Phoebe was able to write that in a way that felt like yeah a lot of men have those opinions yeah and aren't to yeah and it just I don't really know what I'm saying it, with that but it, it makes you feel so horrible for Claire because you're like yeah. this is what Claire deals with and you're, you're like, Claire, what are you doing? Like, cause you want her to be like Fleabag and just be like brutally honest and just, you know, care so much about herself that she's just like, you know, 
forget these people. And because that's what Fleabag would do. If someone said that to Fleabag, if man said that to Fleabag, she would deck him in the face. Like, you know, exactly what she did. <laughs> and then Claire, you know, you're just like, Claire, like, why are you still in this marriage? This is horrible. You, this, your stepson is creepy as heck. And you just, this is just, this is such a ridiculous situation. Go with your Scandinavian boyfriend. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> but she doesn't that's do what- it. And you're like, God. <laughs> That's what's so good about the first episode of season two, because obviously it'd been it'd been three years since the first episode, mm-hmm. uh, since season one. So she introduces, reintroduces every character so well, whilst also setting up everyone's motivations for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Like it's so cleverly done. Like the vile husband Claire realizing she doesn't really love him anymore, and she's uptight and stressed, and like you kind of see it all molding into like this amazing you know, what's going to come and you know this is what's going to happen and it's just so, like, stressful and disorientating and it is, like you said, Shakespearean. It is some of the best television I've ever seen. It is so good. Yeah, the only other dinner scene that makes me this stressed is the one in Shrek 2. (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful. Um, Wait, we definitely... I was thinking that specifically when I watched it. I was just like, I feel so stressed. (laughs) We need to do an episode on Shrek because Shrek is oh gosh, actually a masterpiece yeah. and it's on Netflix. Now, so. And we all agree the second one is the best. Oh, yes. yes. It is definitely the best. Good. I have one final question for everyone before we finish. Does anyone have a favourite joke out of the series? I th- that I we think- can say on the BBC. <laughs> I don't know if it counts as a joke, but it really made me laugh in the first episode, season one, where they're at the feminist... <laughs> That's the whole idea. <laughs> and the um the presenter or lecturer says, "Would you trade five years of your life for the perfect body?" <laughs> and um, flea bag and Claire both put their hands up, and no one else does. And I, I would be right there with my hands up with them. It makes me laugh so much. <laughs> and that's like what's so brilliant about her jokes is like, oh, you, everyone else in the room is like, oh no, not me, never. I wouldn't do that. And like brutally honest, like everyone would. Yeah. I love the moment where Fleabag gets introduced to um, Claire's like Scandinavian partner who she's clearly like interested in and Fleabag's trying really hard not to like make fun of her or laugh or anything Claire's like don't 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 do it and Fleabag's like okay um what's his name and Claire's like his name's Claire (laughs) and Fleabag is just like I'm sorry like trying so hard not to scream. Trying so hard to be a nice person. <laughs> yeah. It's such, such a good punchline. <laughs> oh, and the haircut scene, of course. Oh, oh, oh God, my God. Yeah. That is classic. So, because that is so true. Like, if you get a bad haircut, you're, you're like, in such a bad mood. <laughs> Mine has to be the foxes in season two oh, yeah. when he's clapping and, like, screaming. It just, I don't know why it makes me laugh so much. I think we didn't get really to talk about it, but the hot priest is one of the highlights of season two. What's his name? He's Moriarty, Andrew something. Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. He's fantastic in that role. Yeah, he, he just owns it. And he is so hilarious when he's trying to ward off foxes. <laughs> it's so funny when, she, when um, she comes around when he's practicing his speech at the wedding and he um, and she comes around the corner. He's like, oh, my God, I thought you were a fox. 
just like so random that he's just this concerned about foxes. He just can't stop thinking about it. I, I I think he's like one of my favorites and like one of the scenes that and it's very like a subtle like it's not a joke but I don't know it just makes me giggle so much is when um she comes to visit him at the church and I, I think I think Fleabag talks about like not believing in God and then there's like a big frame of Jesus falls down yeah. and he's just like he's like oh I love it when he does that <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really funny hopefully you've enjoyed our brief discussion today if you're interested in contributing to our film and television blog, visit film-east.com forward slash submissions for more information. To learn more about Film East and what we do, visit our website film-east.com or follow us on any of our social medias at films underscore east.